Really good to see so many of you, and so nice to hear your voices um, singing back, um, singing together, lifting up the name of the Lord. Um, welcome to those joining um, online. Um, really sorry you can't be with us. Um, what I mean, encourage you if you can to come back and be part of the gather people of God. I know that's not always possible for everyone, um, but we're just so glad you can join us, whether it's in person or virtually. You are very much part of our family. Yeah? So this morning, I'm going to be carrying on a series. We're preaching through Dane Ortland's book, Gentle and Lowly. So if you've got this and you're reading it, you know what I'm going to preach on. But don't leave. I might have something else to say. Um, (laughs) So we're on um, chapter 5, He Can Deal deal Gently. And um, it's around Hebrews 5.2. And I want to read a couple of bits to you. um, And then we'll get into it. Yeah? So Hebrews 4 is talking about um, the Old Testament context of the... um, people of Israel needing a priest to intercede between them and God. And and, and, and it's actually saying the old priests, they, they were a bit not very good. They are a bit hit and miss. They weren't the perfect thing. But Jesus is our new high priest, and he intercedes for us perfectly. There you go. That's a summary of Hebrews. Um, so Hebrews 4 says, Since we have a great high priest, that's Jesus, who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let's hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, uh, as we heard last week, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then with confidence um, draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And then... Um, for today's passage, we go over to Hebrews 5, and it says, and it talks about Jesus, um, he can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward. So that's what we're preaching on today. He can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward, since he himself is beset with weakness. So let me start with this. Let me start asking you a question. Uh, what's Jesus really like towards you? I wonder if you think that sometimes. What is Jesus really like towards us? Some of the questions that I think, maybe they just occupy my head. Some of the things that occupy my head um, go something like this. What does Jesus really think of me? I mean, outside of church and when you're by yourself and it's all quiet, what does Jesus really, really think of me? How does he really respond to me when I fall short? You may agree in theory that he responds to you in grace. In other words, he willingly chooses to forgive and accept you. Despite everything, he says, look, I'll willingly accept you and I'll forgive you. Now, we do believe that because we're good Christians, aren't we? We're good New Testament Christians, good reformed relational mission Christians. So we say, yes, I agree with that. But what does he really feel about you? How does he really feel about you coming to him, about you forgiving him? He will accept you in grace. He'll forgive you. How does he really feel about it? And I think particularly for us as Christians, we wonder, or I wonder, what's Jesus' disposition towards me? How does he really feel about me when I've messed up yet again after all these years? 
Another problem after all these years. All the same old problem. I mean, I know Jesus was glad when I chose to follow him originally. But now, I mean, he's probably, probably pretty cheesed off, a bit irritated. I mean, he accepts me in grace and forgives me, but he feels mad. Perhaps you wouldn't articulate it like that. Perhaps you wouldn't describe it like that. Perhaps it's not kind of front and centre of your mind like it is in mine. Um, perhaps it's a bit more, I don't know, subliminal, but it's there somewhere. And next time you sin, next time your conscious are messing it up big time and needing to turn to Jesus for forgiveness, for comfort, for strength, that slight worry, that slight hesitation, that reluctance to approach. How does he feel about me? Maybe that comes from your experience as a child. Perhaps it comes from your experience as an adult, with people around you, with friends, colleagues. Perhaps it's just what you soaked in from the culture around you. You kind of anticipate Jesus' attitude and feeling towards you from what you see around you. Let me just encourage you, let's have a think about what the Bible says about all that. And spoiler alert, the Bible says he can deal gently. So what's the historical context here? So in the Old Testament, Israel was a monarchical um, theocracy. And in normal words, in normal language, it means they were governed by two people. Theologians love these fancy terms. Two people. The people that looked after the whole of Israel, the king and the priests. They were in charge. So no, no police, no lawyers, no courts, no MPs. So some of you may be going, yes, no MPs. No courts, no police. Woohoo! Thank goodness. Some of you might be going, oh my goodness, actually. No NHS. No lawyers to represent me. Oh, actually, this is not good. But whatever you think, <laughs> whether you think it's good or bad, um, there were two people. The king represented um, God to the people. So he provided authority. He provided a figurehead. He kind of led the nation. He was the king. So he showed what God was like to the people, and he led them. And here, who we're thinking about this morning, the priest represented the people to God. He kind of um, stood in the gap, stood in their place, made sacrifices to God um, so that despite them constantly messing it up, sinning, their relationship with God continued to be okay, in theory. Yeah? King represented God to the people, and who we're thinking about this morning, priests represented the people to God, made it okay, sort of, in theory. Do you know, we all need people to stand up for us, to advocate for us, to represent us. The problem here for the um, people of Israel was that the priests who represented them, who were meant to provide solidarity with the people, were often no better than the people. They're often dishonest, unjust, unreliable, harsh. It's not kind of who you want to represent you, is it? To look after you, to support you, 
to intercede for you. They had to provide sacrifices for themselves as well as the people. You just wouldn't want people representing you that were like that, would you? Harsh, unjust, unreliable, dishonest. Now, this passage in Hebrews tells us that Jesus is our priest. Now, he's also our king, but we'll deal with that another time. He's our priest. He's the one who represents us to God, who stands in our place, who makes it all okay for us. Okay, fine, you get that. But how does he deal with us? How does he deal with you this morning and yesterday and tomorrow and so on? He's not like the Old Testament priests. The Bible says he knows what our weaknesses feel like. So he has deepest sympathy with us. He gets what it's like to be you. So you remember you sitting there thinking, if only people knew me, if only people knew what I was like, what I've been through. The Bible says Jesus gets you. He understands what it's like. But unlike the Old Testament priests, he isn't harsh, he isn't unreliable, he isn't dishonest, he isn't unjust. In fact, the opposite, he's completely without sin. He's a priest, really able to deal gently with us. Good? I'm imagining you smiling behind your masks. (laughs) Yeah, Martin's pulled his hand to just grin at me, that's good. Hebrews 4 explains that he gets your pain and distress. And what the Bible says is he can sympathize with our weaknesses. His heart is drawn out to us, his people, in solidarity in our pain and distress. Now, you probably know the Bible wasn't originally written in English. So some of the full meaning here of sympathy kind of doesn't get captured in English. We lose some of it. Yes, Jesus does sympathize with us. But it's so, so much more than that. It's not just what he does, you know, provide a bit of tea and sympathy like a nice friend. It's so, so much more than that. It's how he does it. And the Bible says he does it gently in spite of me, in spite of what I'm like. It's just what he does and who he is. He deals with us gently. In other words, as Ortland says in his book, Jesus doesn't throw his hands up in the air when he engages sinners. He's calm. He's tender. He's soothing. He's restrained. He deals with us. He deals with you gently. Not through gritted teeth. He's forgiven me, but he's really not enjoying it. Not through gritted teeth. Not like your parent who responded harshly. Not like your mate who forgave you. Yet again, despite what you did to me, I forgive you. That's not what Jesus does. Not begrudgingly. Gently, gently, every single time. Whether you became a Christian today... Or whether you've been a Christian 30 years, he deals with you gently. Now you may say, what, gently? Every time? Surely not. Surely not again. Surely he won't be happy. He'll be disappointed. It's the worst thing for a parent to say. I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. I forgive you, but I'm disappointed. You may think that. He'll think less of me. He probably won't forgive me. If he does, it'll be begrudgingly. I'll go down in his estimation. Look at what you've done. Look at what you've done yet again. And you were Christian. Dealt with gently. I tell you what, dealt with gently is only for gentle sinners. You, you're going to get harsher. 
You may say this, you may think it, that notion may be floating around in your head, unformed, unarticulated, but waiting for its moment to remind you. I want to say that is from the devil and it is not true. He deals gently. And here Hebrews talks about Jesus dealing gently with the ignorant and wayward. So it may not feel like you. How dare you call me ignorant and wayward? (laughs) Uh, That may not feel like you. Let me explain the ignorant and wayward. The phrase kind of connects us back to the Old Testament, which Hebrews is addressing. Hebrews is like an answer to all the Old Testament stuff. And, And ignorant and wayward connects us back. And in the Old Testament, there were two types of sin. So willful and unwillful, deliberate and accidental. Those things you did by accident and those things you did eyes wide open, knowing exactly what you're doing out of anger, frustration, envy, spite, revenge, hatred. I'm going to do it right from the whoops. Sorry, I really, really didn't realize to I don't care. I'm going to right from. Julian stood up here wearing a West Ham shirt and it really offended someone. Right through to, I don't like Martin because he beat my team and so I'm going to go and punch him on the nose and I don't care, it's not okay. Ignorant and wayward covers all of those things. And we fit in there somewhere, don't we? You may not go and punch someone, but you get what I'm saying. Hebrews says that Jesus' gentle response applies to the whole spectrum of sin, thinking, feeling, and behavior. The point here is that Jesus' response isn't based on the so-called badness of your sin. It's not like you did a really mild sin. It's no biggie. He'll just turn a blind eye to that. And that really bad sin, well, phew, that's a bit too much for Jesus to handle. That uh, puts you, sorry guys, way out of range of his gentle forgiveness. No, no, no. The Bible says here, he deals gently with the ignorant and wayward, everyone. So at this stage, you may be thinking, okay, that's fine. But what about sin? Is it, is it, is it, he just dropped, has Jesus dropped the ball on that? Is, not, is it not a big deal to him anymore? Let me, let me take a, 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 bit, a bit of a time and aside and depress you and maybe offend you for a minute. I'll, I'll try not to do either um, and talk about sin. Sometimes when I talk about sin at the front, I get a bit ex- exercised, maybe overstep the mark about what's acceptable. I don't do it on purpose, so please forgive me. It's not the intention. But I need you to know, and I need to know myself, that sin is almost indescribably offensive to God. We don't like talking about that. It's indescribably offensive to God. There are no words that I could use up here, none, that would even come close to how offensive sin is, how much it separates us from God. Sorry, that's the truth. The Bible, if you read it, and sometimes it gets lost in translation, reserves some of its choicest, most offensive language for God's view of sin. Why do I say that? Two reasons. Because when it says that Jesus deals gently with you, 
God hasn't dropped his standards. He hasn't turned a blind eye to sin as if, ah, it's no biggie. It's fine. Don't worry about it. I'm no longer bothered about truth and justice. No, no, no. The Bible says if we never come to Jesus, we will experience a judgment so fierce it will be like a double-edged sword coming out of his mouth at us. But... For those of us who turn to Jesus, despite everything about us, despite everything about me, those who turn to Jesus will experience a lamb-like tenderness, a gentleness. It's amazing, isn't it? Why? Because it's about who he is and what he's done on the cross. It's not about how big or small I think my sin is, how good or bad I think I am. It's nothing to do with me. It's all about Jesus and his grace. He will deal gently. The beautiful thing is that when we understand some of the offensiveness of sin, we see Jesus' gentleness and, and, and see Jesus' gentleness to those of us who turn to him. You see something of the enormity, the magnitude, the, the generosity, the bigness of Jesus' heart when you see how sinful sin is. But then you look at Jesus' gentle response to us. Think, wow. Do you get it? How expansive and enormous is the grace of God to deal with that sin and say, and I accept you gently, lovingly, every single time, my children. It's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing. See, some of his grace when he says, I'll deal gently with the ignorant and wayward, all sinners, every time. Now, of course, the consequences of our sinful action might be, might leave things a bit rocky. And God does discipline us with the aim of us becoming like him. But returning as we finish to the original question, what's Jesus' disposition? What does he feel like towards us? His feeling about you, his response to you, his forgiveness to you is always, always gentle. Always sympathetic, as we heard last week. He'll never cast you away, as we're going to hear next week. Let me read this quote from Dane Ortland, and I think it's going to come up on the screen. Consider what this all means. There we go. When we sin, we're encouraged to bring our mess to Jesus because he will know just how to receive us. And then hear this. He doesn't handle us roughly. He doesn't scowl and scold. He doesn't lash out the way many of our parents did. And all this restraint on his part is not because he has a diluted view of our sinfulness. He doesn't think, oh, it's no biggie. He knows our sinfulness far more deeply than we do. Indeed, we're aware just at the tip of the iceberg. His restraint simply flows from his tender heart for his people. Hebrews is not just telling us that instead of scolding us, Jesus loves us. It's telling us the kind of love he has He doesn't dispense grace from on high. He gets down with us, puts his arm round us, deals with us 
in the way that is just what we need. He deals gently with you. Let me finish by encouraging you. Bam's coming up or Martin's coming up. Someone's coming up. He deals gently with you. Don't look inside yourself. Don't look outwards to society. Let me encourage you this morning. Look to Jesus. However close you feel or don't feel to him. Look to Jesus. He will deal gently with you. It's what's most natural to him. As deep as your sinfulness runs, as deep as your pain and anguish and separation, everything else runs, so ever deeper runs his gentleness to you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, it's hard to imagine and articulate the bigness of your grace, your kindness, your generosity towards us, that you wouldn't just forgive us and love us, but you do it gently, not through gritted teeth, not begrudgingly, not harshly. You're not suddenly going to change and and feel really angry towards us. Lord, you deal with us, your children, gently. I pray, Holy Spirit, you would... um, make that truth a reality in our hearts and minds would you speak to our deepest longings and deepest fears and insecurities our deepest hopes and needs lord that we would know you are a mighty god who deals gently with us lord lord i thank you that you see the sinfulness of sin eyes wide open <laughs> you know everything we've done You know everything we haven't even yet done. And yet you love us and deal with us gently. I think you are good, Lord. I think you are good. I pray, Holy Spirit, you minister to us this morning. Encourage us, fortify us. um, Build hope and faith. Deliver us from those thoughts, experiences, feelings that are not of you. And replace them with something of your... Your, your truth and presence, Holy Spirit. Amen.